I have always wanted to be a little bit more than just an athlete. I might not be Kelsey the netballer anymore, yeah. and that's okay. I love that so, so much. <laughs> I mean, it's not every day that someone comes in, um, addresses the team and says, we're not having a netball team anymore. But this is just not something that I ever thought that I would have to handle. Yeah. My philosophy has just been like, what's going to make me happy? Yeah. Do that. Yeah. You go, you're <laughs> awesome. You know, like, I was like, I wish it was that easy. Like, <laughs> when you think it's all dead and gone and all hope is lost, the coolest things often come from those moments. Like my biggest thing out of this would be just never let anyone put you in a box because I don't even know what box I fit in. So how yeah. can I let other people put me in one? Powered by Reebok, this is Under the Surface with Annalie Maley. I would like to have the conversations about like performance, managing stress, anxiety, self-doubt, the whole bubble of identity and like who we are. It's Annalie Maley's Under the Surface. Hello, this is Under the Surface, Pumped by Reebok with your host, Emily Maley. I'm here with special guest, Kelsey Brown at Hoop City in Caram Downs. Shout out to Hoop City. What an awesome, awesome place this is. We've just been walking around the courts. We've seen the gym. Cool, cool facility. But um, yeah, let's get to the guest. Kelsey Brown, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I'm maybe going to call her KB, Kels, throughout the episode. So you know who I'm talking to. It's just the one person here. It's just us. <laughs> We're just hanging out. Um, what have you been up to so far this morning? Are you an early riser, coffee drinker? Yes, I am an early riser. I stayed in the city last night. I got up and I had a coffee. And then I did make the trek down here, which I loved. It was beautiful. But it's pouring rain today. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the yeah. traffic was bad. Yes. So I have just relocated to Perth and it's 36 degrees today. Um, so when I woke up this morning and I put on a hoodie and chuckies <laughs> and two pairs of socks and I walked outside and I was like, ooh, Melbourne is Melbourneing. Yeah, it is Melbourneing today, which is weird because we had like a heat wave about two weeks ago, yeah. but typical Melbourne. You know, it's, it's, I mean, not to talk about the weather, but um, <laughs> it was funny because all over my TikTok, everyone was freaking out about the heat. They were like, it's going to be the hottest summer ever. And they're like, obviously, again, Melbourne Melbourneing two weeks later, it's like yeah. freezing again. And we're like, oh. Yeah, no. You just, you just can't like speak about Melbourne weather too much. <laughs> no, it's kind of sad. It kind of. I was I was thinking. I was actually my my brother's here shooting around on the courts, and I was I was thinking about like how like the different of vibe is when you wake up in the morning. Oh. Like I've been waking up in the morning, going for a swim, getting a coffee, hanging out with my dog on the beach, and then going to practice. And I woke up this morning and I was like. Ooh. Yeah, no, we're, I'm, I know we're probably going to touch on like mental health, yeah. but I genuinely am affected by the weather. Yeah, like, seasonal uh, depression is yeah, a thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like literally. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, talk to me about like you as a human, if I ask what your day-to-day -day life is like <laughs> at the moment, like who is KB in the in in the everyday at the moment. Yeah, well, it's been a bit of a change. I guess I'm sort of going through a bit of a um, 
I don't know, different like lifestyle at the moment. Um, netball's sort of not happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it's just getting up. Um, I'm still studying, so mm-hmm. I'm studying psych. Nice. Um, and I do, <laughs> when I say that, everyone's like, oh, you know, how long do you have to go? I was like, well, I've ha- I've been there for a really long time. Yeah. I have a little while to go. I do like one um, subject a trimester, but I do like studying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I work um, sort of one or two days a week at a medical practice cool. um, doing like running like a netball program down there in Geelong. And then, um, you know, on the weekends, I'm sort of doing some sideline commentary for NBL. I'm doing some stuff with sports bets. My weeks are like strange, but I do think I'm the kind of person that needs, you know, fingers in pies um, to stay stimulated. And yeah, yeah, like I I just like doing new things and putting my hand to stuff like that. And I feel like this period of time has given me – I don't know, a bit of a moment to think about, you know, where I want to go and what I want to do and um, probably revisit some hobbies that I've enjoyed. Yeah. Okay. I, I really want to bookmark that because I want to touch on that um, in a little bit. But I guess for the people that don't know you, um, if you could give us a blurb of like not just your current but your past, you know, couple years as a super, super successful netball player um, and this won't be about our sport for the most part, but to set to set our listeners up for who you are, if you could give me a blurb about like who you are in in the sporting world, I guess. For sure. I obviously um, play netball mm-hmm. and have been with Collingwood, had been with Collingwood for the last uh, five years, I think it was. Um, and prior to that, you know, grew up, I grew up playing basketball and netball and um, sort of got to 16, 17 and didn't grow. And um, I think my parents were sort of like, maybe netball's the way to go because your coaches keep telling you not to drive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you are too small to be in the queue. I was really good for three but anything yeah. else not great at yeah. um and so my netball career sort of started um like through the pathways and then I got my first break a really interesting story actually is um my sister was four years older than me and playing for the Melbourne Vixens mm-hmm. I was a training partner at the time and she uh went over to Perth was playing a game round five did her knee mm-hmm. and I was sitting at home sort of thinking like because what happens is training partners like go into the team once you know someone gets injured yeah and I was sitting there like bawling my eyes out because my sister's like world cup dreams have yeah disappeared and um but also thinking like wait hang on is this like my opportunity yeah (laughs) it's like my chance so it was a really strange moment so my my debut game actually came at the hands of my sister doing her ACL holy crap yeah it was wild for the family that week was (laughs) Because it's a lot of like up and down. Like, did you find it hard in that moment to be like super, super happy about it? Or were you like, wow, this is amazing. And then you had the guilt surrounding it. I'm lucky that she's incredible. And um, like I said, her World Cup um, four months later, you know, was out of the question now. Um, and she probably more so out of anyone in the family, we were all devastated about it. Cause you know, your family rides the highs and lows yeah. of your sport. And I hadn't really started yet. So I was still really inspired and looking up to her and, um, just wanting to be who she was. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think I was more shattered than her about the knee. And she came home and she was like, right, this is what we're doing. She sat down with me. She like, wrote plays on like a notepad and she was like when this happens this is what you're going to do and if you get the opportunity and so I was really lucky that she was amazing but it was it was a weird period of time but I still think it's like such an interesting story to think that my debut game came at essentially the hands of my sister 
Um, so that's how it started. Wow. <laughs> uh, and then I sort of came in as a uh, injury replacement player for mm-hmm. her and then after that, I was a fully signed player, went to Sunshine Coast Lightning. I, I played five quarters at Vixens. Like I'd got no court time, okay. which is which is fine. Like that's sort of what happens when you're starting out. And um, I got an opportunity to go to the Sunshine Coast Lightning. So mm-hmm. I moved to Queensland for a little bit, played in two premierships up there and then decided to come home to um, Melbourne where I played at Collingwood Magpies. Mm-hmm. And I guess like my resume when people say it is I've played, uh, I think it's 100 six National League games, which is... That's um, a lot. I'm very proud of that because I guess making it to like there's 14 games in a season plus finals. So you've had to be around for a little bit of 100 games. Um, I've won a couple of premierships and I won a silver medal at a World Cup, which is um, hard to talk about because Australia in netball... If you don't win a gold, it's a bit disappointing. So yeah. I'm really proud of the silver medal that we won at a World Cup. I think um, that yeah. you should be. Yeah. I think any sort of medal at any sort of yeah. World Cup is a massive, massive achievement. But yeah. I understand, like, the the pressures around especially netball in Australia and the cultural significance of, like, what netball is in our society. So and I get it. Yeah, it's winning. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've represented my country, which is something I'm really proud of. And mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I feel like I've sort of, if I could put my career in a box, it's something I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that was a great intro to who you are as a sports person. Now that we understand or people have a little bit more of an understanding about, you know, what you've done, that's not really who you are. So what I'd like to do is ask you a little bit about like who you were as like a, a kid, I guess. So how would how would your sister, how would your parents, how would they describe young Kels? I think they would say that I, <laughs> my mum always says, you know, we had Madison, who's my older sister, mm-hmm. and we were like, oh, yep, she's great, and she crosses the T's and dots the I's, and then we had you, and we, we were like, what went wrong? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think they would explain me as quite, like, I was a very vibrant, bubbly, I had a lot of, like, character and personality yeah. as a child. Um, I loved performing, so, mm-hmm. like, music's a big part of our life. My parents play in a band, um, and so all of that just, I think, uh, amalgamated into like this personality that was like bigger than yeah. anything else. Um, and I feel like I've had to sort of temper that as I've um, grown up. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like in my family, my sister was quite um, happy for me to take the limelight. Yeah. Like I was the center of the attention and she was quite um, happy to just roll around in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how they would probably describe me. And then um, I don't know. I feel like I was a good kid. Yeah. And I, like I was good at school and, um, but definitely a perfectionist and definitely, um, remnants of early sort of overachieving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really wanted to be good at everything. I, 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 yeah, I was a perfectionist as a kid. So I feel like that's also been something that's been hard to break out of as an adult. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> 100% agree with that. I, I probably was a bit the same as like, uh, I was a very like flamboyant, loud kid but had to be good at everything all the time. Now, I remember personally there was a time when all all of that kind of came to a head for me and I started questioning who was I, who am I, what does this all mean? Like I know that you've experienced, like I've, you know, read, I've listened, I I know that you've experienced a little bit of of that stuff. So for you, like do you remember the time in your life as like maybe a teenager or preteen, whatever, when – you got to a point where you were, you know, the loudest in the room and fun and all this, but that started to change. 
Yeah, I I can remember coming home from school one day and just saying to mum, like, this, I can't, this is too hard, it's too much. And yeah. um, that was pretty much the start of um, about three or four months of like a really challenging period of time. And the hardest thing for me was that I was still doing well at everything. Yeah. Like I was still getting, I was still an A-plus student. I was yeah. um, like a school sports captain, like I was – you know, my sport was going really well. Yeah. I had a great group of friends. I was going out every weekend. I still had a social life. You know, I was winning um, school premier. Like I was still doing everything. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, and only my parents can speak to this, but every single day I would come home from school and I would be in tears from yeah. like 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 10 p.m. doing homework but like crying. And yeah. I just didn't really understand what was going on. Um, and I just feel like it kind of got to a point of like exhaustion and <clears throat> trying too hard to yeah. be to maintain this standard that I'd set for myself. And no one was setting it for me. Just you, it was right? Just me. Yeah. It was like it was purely just like if I drop from this, if I'm not the best at everything, and I, I'm still like this now. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm. I'm there's going to be issues or I'm, yeah. I'm going to feel a, a certain way. I'm way better at handling it now. Like it's nowhere near any part of my worth. Like if I fail yeah. at something, almost enjoy failing now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like time, test you, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it makes me figure out who, um, you know, how I'm going to respond in situations. If everything's going well, you don't, you're not often faced with, you know, uh, your character and yeah. your resilience and, and how you're going to come out of that. But yeah, yeah I, I had a really tough period of time from about 16 to to 20 so I was gonna ask I was like when did that period of time start 16 is so hard like I was about 16 when I started going through that stuff as well like did you did your parents know what resources to kind of channel you towards or were they like I remember my dad being like okay well how do we help where do we take you what do we who do we have you talk to like did you have did your parents know how to deal with that stuff at the time or no I think Back then, it um, there was also a lot of stigma around yeah. it. So, um, and like I love my parents, but our way of dealing with it was like, okay, we we don't talk about it. Yeah. We're just we're quiet about it. Um, they took me to a heap of different psychs. I was on you know trying trialing different medication X Y Z. Remember going to the doctor and they were like, oh maybe it's just your hormones and mm -hmm. like they put me on the pill at sixteen and I was like not. Sexually yeah. Active. yeah like, so like it was wild like yeah. if I think about the whole thing it was no one knew what to do so I I do look back on that that now and go wow um I think we've come so far and I, I there's so many resources now yeah. and, and I think a lot of parents out there would be able to point their kids in the right direction and um and be able to talk to a lot more people but um, you know, that's a really long time ago and that, that wasn't as accessible as it is now. Yeah. Oh my God. I'd like to, um, sidebar for a second. <laughs> so we got deep. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd like to, no, like I want to build off that. So I'd like to sidebar because I remember one of my first appointments with, after I'd seen a psych, they sent me to a doctor and I was about 16 and literally one of their first suggestions was like, oh, could be your hormones go on the pill yeah what the hell what and I was like uh, uh, uh I don't really know and I'm sitting there with my parents like yeah like yeah. what do you mean and they asked the question I was like no no, no. <laughs> but like and and then then off that they then rattle all these like a list of like eight different antidepressants that you can try 
all these different medications. And my parents, they didn't know anything about these medications. Like they just didn't know. And that's not their fault. They just had no education about it. Um, and then, so you're sitting there as like a young athlete that is used to overachieving and everything, not just in your social life and your personal life, your academics, your everything. And you're getting told a list of medications that you could take to make yourself feel normal. And that feeling is like so completely terrifying. And I think the thing that a lot of people don't realize is with medications, especially for like depression, anxiety, all this stuff. They numb you out? They completely numb you out. Yeah. Completely. And <laughs> there's a list of side effects that just goes on and on. And if it, if it works, great. But if it doesn't, the side effects are awful. And sometimes you get worse yeah. from taking these other medications. What was your experience going through the journey of figuring out what worked? Or did you, did you get lucky and find one that worked straight away? No, well, it was that paradox of like, I like my personality and I'm often told that my personality is vibrant and amazing and people loved me for, you know, um, like that side yeah. of me. But then also I wasn't normal at yeah. a certain, like it was, it was, it, it's so hard to explain, but that paradox of being like celebrated, yeah. but also making that be a thing that I need to change with chemicals yeah. was so interesting. And at 16, you hardly know you're, so you're still trying no. to figure out, okay, what do I stand for? What are my morals? Where, what are my values in yeah. life? Like, where am I, you know, and you're not supposed to know that at 16. No. I, I often say to people, like when people say 18's adult, I'm like, yeah. no. No. <laughs> I'm 25. I don't feel like an adult uh, uh, just putting it out there. Like <laughs> I'm 31 and I reckon about four years ago, I was like, all right. Here we adult. go. Adulting. <laughs> yeah. Doing it. Yeah. Um, and still like learning. Uh, yeah. But yeah, at 16, I guess to go through that and and it did it really numbed me out and I wasn't on it for long and I kept um I was quite rebellious with like yeah. what I wanted to take and what I didn't and uh yeah I think it was because it made me feel so different from who I was but yeah. I also really enjoyed who I was um I just needed to bring the bottom end up a little bit like yeah. I really wanted to keep the um energizer bunny version of myself yes yeah but I wanted to bring the bottom up um and yeah it was it was difficult to find something that worked yeah um and I think what worked for me the most was talking yeah um to people and I will I'm you know I'm not on medication now I haven't been on medication for a really long time because I do think it it alters me almost too much but I will talk to someone every single week yeah yeah I love that (laughs) I think that um It's something that I was trying to explain to someone actually just the other week. I was having the conversation about like I'm on a medication now that really works for me. It's great. But when I was, you know, 16, the first thing I took was sertraline and you're not, you can't, you're not sad but you're not happy either. No, you're just, you're just kind this of flat line, like yeah. going through life. Like. You just kind of exist. <laughs> yeah. And it's a super weird <laughs> feeling. You're like, I'm just, and like something traumatic would happen. And it's like, I couldn't cry about it. Cause I was like, okay. You know, like, right. This is happening. But like, and then I, I like remember some of my peers at the time were like, why are you not more affected by this? I'm like, I am, but I just, 
I don't feel much. Yeah, you know? like there's also, not like I think changes your relationship with your sport too. Hundred percent. I was like, I love winning. Yeah, like, <laughs> winning's very important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and like, not it's not everything, but uh, at all. But I do enjoy the feeling. That's why I like sport and yeah. I like um working with yeah the competitive yeah. and I love working with my teammates and achieving a goal and yeah. Um, so winning is like exciting and that period of time I didn't enjoy winning I didn't hate losing I didn't enjoy winning I just was sort of like oh I'm playing sport you're floating like what is that yeah um and I feel like if you talk to anyone who's involved in sport part of it like you lose your purpose when it's not you're working towards things with other people and that might not be like winning a championship that might be be like completely different that but that might be like um you know creating lifelong friendships or like working towards something to like there is that real um connection that comes when you're in a space with um other other people yeah and I yeah it really changed my relationship with sport and my ability to figure out my purpose within that when you kind of like at what at what point did you start to kind of figure out so yeah you you need to talk to people but like you've had a long career how did you start to manage your outside life with your performance and like I know that's a it's interesting because a lot of people see people performing and doing super well and achieving all these things and think yeah they got it together they've <laughs> they must go home and look at themselves in the mirror and think you go you're <laughs> awesome you know like and I was like I wish it was that easy like no. <laughs> so what did that look like for you while you were performing while you're achieving all these things what did your I guess what was your brain doing in those situations for lack of a better term but yeah, yeah uh I feel like I would um, compartmentalize my career into maybe two parts mm-hmm. which is like the early days when I think everyone can relate to this you're really trying to assert yourself in your sport and yeah. you're quite selfish and you'll do anything to get there yeah. and you'll train through injuries and you'll lie about how you're feeling yeah. <laughs> and um <clears throat> sorry like you'll you'll just do anything it's it's this early stage where you're really trying to prove yourself and yeah. it, and I feel like every day you wake up and you're like how can I show everyone that I'm amazing yeah um and then the second part is my of my career is like not having to prove a single thing to yeah. anyone and doing it for the generation of next players and doing it for my teammates and doing it because my parents absolutely love sitting in the crowd and watching me perform and so the second part of my career was not for me at yeah. all and so I like to put it into those two parts because I think that's um I think everyone who's had a long career or, or even a career will understand that when you first come into it it is it's all about just proving yourself yeah. so I do think in the early stages of my career the performance side and talking yeah. to the psych was a lot around you know how can I get out of a rut when I'm on court like what used to happen to me is I would make a mistake and I would go quiet for like five yeah. minutes and I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to get myself out of it. So a lot of the early parts of my career, I didn't even address how I was feeling around myself and my identity yeah. because it was I was so focused on my performance. Yeah. And then as I sort of started to move through that, I started to realize like, hang on, if you're walking into a game and you don't feel like your self-worth is high or you don't feel confident or you, you haven't addressed things outside of your life, you're going to be walking on court not able to express yourself how you want to so that's probably how I worked through it was it was performance side but also this holistic approach that if I'm 
feeling happy as a person, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be able to express myself and feel confident mm-hmm. in a different way. So, yeah, it was performance and then, um, yeah, I, I found that I had to make sure that my self was fine before yeah. I went in. So selfishly, I I really need to ask this question because I feel like I'm at this interesting roadblock at the moment because I I can so heavily relate to the like proving yourself in the first part of your career like that is I think universal in most sports like I would I would think um the like establishing establishing yourself in the league blah blah blah. I don't it's very interesting because I I haven't yet hit the point where I feel like I belong which is actually a little bit oh, wild I when bumps. I when I think about it because like you know I won MVP of the league and I still don't feel like oh, I'm good enough I literally got goosebumps. <laughs> like I I it's really it's really quite interesting like I just came back from a preseason tournament and um I love my team they're beautiful humans I'm in a really great environment but someone asked me how I thought I was doing I was like oh, I, I, I just feel like I'm so bad like I feel like I'm letting people down and I don't you know I, I don't know if I'm good enough to play in this league and I was I was talking to someone who was in like the, their first year in the league and they were like, Annalie, what are you talking about? Like you've, you've played in the WNBA, you've played for the Opals, you've won MVP. What do you mean you don't feel good enough? Yeah. And I was like, I I just, I, I don't know. And then like I was a bit dumbfounded and I didn't know how to answer that question. So instead I just like gave her a hug and I was like, love you. <laughs> like I didn't know, I, I, I didn't know how to do that. So I guess hearing that you did transition to that second half where you were able to like play not to prove yourself how did that even start selfishly I would like to know the answer (laughs) to this question well I think that's also just know that you're very normal exactly the same you know I I feel like I would have girls come into the team and they would be young players and you could feel them sort of being like oh my gosh I would love to be yeah. where you are and me being like oh no don't be me yeah yeah <laughs> oh no like other people are way better than I am yeah. and you just don't feel that but in another way that's almost what makes you probably so good yeah. is because you'll always be trying to find like I feel like I'm I'm not counting no, no. I'm just saying like but I, I think it. that's yeah. what happens is uh, you know I there will always be things that I can learn like yeah. I I've played for nine years ten yeah. years something like that and still would like be the person with the, the notepad yeah. and like, okay, how can I learn and how can I be better? And um, I think the the sooner I accepted the fact that I will probably never be so happy with how I've played yeah. or whatever, but also that's my strength is yeah. that I'll always be finding something else. So I think accepting for me that that's, that's my superpower yeah. is that I will never rest on what I did last week and I always know that I can be better. Yeah. Um, and it is. It's a, it's a hard situation, but I think you can harness that and be like, that is my strength. Because I don't think a lot of people have that. I think yeah. sometimes, and you see it all the time, you know, young players come into the league sometimes and they're like, right, I've made it. And I'm like, oh, no, mine's, my mindset is like, no, now it starts. Yeah, it starts like you now. come in and, and it starts. It's not you get on a list and now you've made it. Yeah. It's like now the hard work starts and now um, like all of that kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. And same with um, anything outside of my life. I, like I'm always just finding ways that I can improve. Uh, so I do think it has translated. Um, but I, I would say like accepting that that's a superpower. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that I that's, really like that. 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 that the way that you look at things and the the want to always be better is like that's great. Because it's like it's 
I mean, I've said this so many times on this podcast before. It's, you know, it what's, it's what makes us so good, but also can make us so miserable. So I guess it's counteracting the, the kind of what you said before, the bottom, lifting the the bottom, bottom lifting the bottom up. So like you can still achieve the highs, but the, the, the floor isn't quite as low. No. I I like that. And Um, that's, and that's the, like, I think that with performance too, or like games, I I would say, I didn't really like, when you get a little bit older, it's the, the, the margin for improvement or altering your game so much is, is much smaller than when you're starting out. Like you can always, you can improve so much. You can improve 110% when you're first coming into the league, but then after you've played for a little while, you've really created how you play. Yeah. Um, and so my my biggest thing over the last three or four years was bringing the consistency yeah. closer. So my good game was great, but my bad game was still yeah good yeah, and yeah, not yeah. like and not the inconsistency of like okay sometimes I'm terrible yeah, and sometimes yeah. I'm amazing yeah. Um, but I yeah I do think accepting that that's a mindset that not a lot of people have. Okay, is I like that. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Um. Okay, so I want to ask about and like we'll probably double back on a few of these things, but I guess you now, right? So, I mean, we've we've talked a little bit about your career. We will double back on some things, but where are you at now in terms of like obviously Collingwood doesn't exist anymore. Yes. So, <laughs> what I want to I want to ask first about what that experience was like to you. Because, you know, you were planning on playing there for a while. Yeah. For any athlete that has had to go through a period of time where they don't have a contract or where they're not sure where they're playing or they don't know if they're going to continue doing anything, tell me about your experience handling all of that and what that was. Yeah, it's so funny that you're like, um, Collingwood doesn't exist anymore. Like they've just won a premiership yeah. in the football, but I love that. Yeah. <laughs> no, they don't exist. No, they don't. They don't no. exist. Um, so it was a really strange period of time and I feel like in five years' time I'm going to look back and be like, whoa, that was – not normal. Yeah. That doesn't normally happen. I mean, it's not every day that someone comes in, um, addresses the team and says, we're not having a netball team anymore. It's just not, it's just not something that you prepare, pre- prepare for. And yeah. I spoke to someone while it was all happening. I was like, you know, you prepare for form slumps and injuries and, yeah. um, y- yeah, like other things that happen within sport, but this is just not something that I ever thought that I would have to handle. Yeah. Um, and it was a really weird period of time because, um, it almost, yeah, I look back on it and I was like, that was the hardest week of my life. Yeah. So um, like an immediate family member got diagnosed with cancer that week. And yeah. then um, like within two days, I also got told that I essentially would be unemployed at the end of this season. And the club that I had given so much time and energy to for the past five years was no longer going to exist. And you would understand yeah. this, like when you live and breathe and eat and sleep, a particular club and yeah. you just you just love them. Like I just adored Collingwood. I yeah. loved everything about what they were around. I felt like when you're in the inner sanctum of um, a huge club like yeah. that, um, yeah, you just feel like you have wings. Like it's honestly, it was an amazing feeling. So to then sort of have to be like, wow, I'm going to have to move on from this club. It was, it was almost like a breakup. Yeah. Um, so it was a really strange period of time and I think – the way I've sort of handled it, I think, has been, I want to say I'm really proud that 
it has probably been three years or four years in the making of this second part of my career yeah. that has been like, okay, how do I build myself up outside of netball so that when that something like that does happen, it's not my whole identity crashes yeah. down. Um, and so that would be my advice for any players happening at the moment is that it can change at any time. It can be yeah. taken away from you. Um, it, you know, injuries, anything. Your club yeah. can fold. Yeah. Um, but it's how you've sort of set yourself out up outside and the worth that you've um, given yourself outside of your sport mm-hmm. that it actually has been quite an easy transition. transition. Yeah. Like I, I look at it and I was like, if you had have said to me at the start of the year, this would be your year. Yeah. I'd be like, and I will be crying into my pillow, not Every handling that. Yeah. <laughs> but. I haven't at all. I think I've maybe shed about one tier and yeah. been like, all right, what's next? Like what other areas of my life can I look at and how can I um, start to flex different muscles of um, of different skills that I've um, honoured over the last three yeah. years and how can I start to move forward in that? And so the transition has been relatively simple yeah um but only because I put in that groundwork beforehand um and so I do like I said I do think that is such an important thing now that I've lived it yeah I will tell any young player like go and make sure that you're still um flexing different muscles of hobbies and and this and that and and making sure that you're still upskilling yourself outside of your sport because it's so fickle like your career and um I'm I I love sport and I love netball. And I I always knew that I was going to stay involved in netball. I mean in sport, but I do think uh yeah, I I really needed to make sure that I was fulfilling other areas of myself. Um, yeah. and my worth wasn't wholly tied up as being a netballer. Do you still feel like a level of expectation maybe from yourself or maybe from family, people around you that are like, "Well, what, why don't you want to do it anymore? Why oh. haven't you stopped? Like the the inability to make a decision for your um, for your well being and for the next chapter of your life without people being like, but why? It's, like, what's that like? Yeah, I think um, other people become so much more attached to your career than you do. I, and um, like I said, I I have always wanted to be a little bit more than just an athlete like I want to I've always wanted to be you know a good sister a good friend a good daughter but also um a musician uh um like be in the in the media space I want to like I would want to be an astronaut if I wanted to like I just wanted to be um a lot of other things other than an athlete but it is really hard when everybody else just views you as Kelsey the netballer. Yeah. Um, and so you can have an opinion of where you want your life to go, but you've also got to remember that you've got fans and family members and who have um, rode every single up and down like a roller coaster for the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so I did have to be quite careful of, you know, how that felt. And I had to sit down with my parents and sort of be like, this is a possibility. Like yeah. this is what's happening and I don't know what's going to happen outside of Collingwood. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few months, but we need to start getting our heads around that I might not be Kelsey the netballer anymore yeah. and that's okay. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting period, I guess, for my family who's had um, that sport in their, their life for so long, um, but also they, at the end of the day, just want me to be happy. Um, and this has kind of been a moment in time where, it's helped me explore other things yeah, because, you know, sure. when something happens and um, things don't maybe go your way, yeah, uh, yeah, you're really 
forced into a position of, okay, what's next and how can I um, turn this around to be a positive thing for me? Um, because I think a lot of people would sit in this, oh, my club's just folded, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, and not sort of make ways towards other directions. Um, but I feel like I just went into this mode of like, all right, let's. I don't go. really know what's happening, Like, but this might be the coolest thing. Like, This yeah. might be great. This might be the catalyst to the next part of my 20 years of my life and my next career. So you're excited. I am. Yeah. And I feel like you have to look at it like that. You can't look at it like, oh, this is shattering because don't look at the past. Yeah. Like, just look forward. Just yeah. keep looking forward. And um, I've, I've learned so many things from my sporting career. But yeah, I also, sure. you know, um, I, I still have so much more to learn and give in other areas. Do you think that like operating at such a high level, and I don't mean that in a, in a sporting kind of sense I mean like being an athlete you have to be on all the time you have to you're always thinking about these little things and blah blah your brain's always going do you think that's helped you transition into you know whatever this is for you next because you're able to kind of like visualize things and um, motivate yourself and all those things so like it's kind of set you up in a good position or and then on that do you feel like sometimes that can hurt you because you're sitting there trying to be the best you can at this next chapter and you're overthinking that at all like talk to me about both sides of that like being a motivated person but also like do you find that maybe that motivation is you need to change the way that it applies to this new part of your life I guess well I think hands down I'm grateful that I have, have been a professional athlete it has taught me skills and and values and um ways to go about things that I you know, I think really translate into to life and yeah. like how to work in a team and how to be resilient and how to make deadlines and be committed to things. And um, so I am forever grateful for my professional career and for my coaches mm -hmm. and my teammates for teaching me a, a lot of those skills. Yeah. Um, and But I do think it it has been an interesting way that it's come out in a in the next phase of my life. Yeah. I mean um, that's not I, a normal transition like <laughs> usually when athletes quote unquote retire it's a big deal. Mm. Like people make a big deal of it. They have a like a usually like a last game at the club and it's a you know you didn't have that. No. I so you I didn't do the traditional quote unquote like you don't know if you're like do you know if you're retired are you going to no, say that you have no, or no? Like, I'm not, you just don't want to put a label thing. on I it I just don't want it to be a thing like I just want to be you know we're in this really precarious position at the moment as netballers there's no CBA deal mm -hmm. on the table it's quite an interesting period of time yeah um but I also feel like I could be sitting there like twiddling my thumbs being like, okay, what happens next to me as a netball? Or I could just go and utilize the time to be like, okay, how can I make this a positive situation for me? Yeah. And so, no, I'm not, I'm not retiring. I'm not doing anything. I'm just, I'm just doing, I'm just, You're just existing. I'm just running towards what opportunities are opening up for me. Yeah. And I think that's all you can look at. And if that means that, you know, netball happens again, cool. If it doesn't, Cool. I like. I am just going towards things that are filling me up at the moment and yeah. making me feel happy and making me excited and are new ways to learn. And I've always been that kind of person that goes, "Okay, how can I um, add another string to my bow? What yeah. else can I do in this situation?" So this whole period of time has just been this 
it's been challenging. Yeah. Like, it's been really hard, but it's also been like, all right, if I just flip my outlook on it and go, great, like let's move forward and let's look at different opportunities and where that might open up, maybe I get the decision back on my terms and sort of um, I can choose what I do. Yeah. And I have a lot more autonomy in my life around, you know, where I go with anything. So I don't I don't I just want to leave everything sort of open ended. I love that so, so much. <laughs> like I, under the table, I'm like clicking my fingers, slay. <laughs> like that is because we feel so pressured to define our every movement. You don't have to define your every movement. No. If you want to keep going, you can. If you want to stop, you can. We can do that also throughout a season. If we want to stop in the middle, technically we could. Mm. But like we we have this pressure to like always define our next step. Mm. I think it's – I think – I, like I'm just going to put it out there that you could possibly be paving the way for a new way to like actually define what you want to do in your life. Like if someone decides to take a season off, they don't have to announce that they want to take a season off. They just could. Yes. If someone wants to like, oh, maybe try this, maybe try that, and everyone's like, oh, they're retiring, they're retiring. No, 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 who cares? Like you've now this, the way that you're talking about this might even open up a whole new can of like opportunities for people to just kind of step outside of the traditional, you know, pathway on how they're supposed to do things. Cause you don't have to declare that you're going to do something. I love that you're running into things like leaning into the things that are exciting you and like literally jumping headfirst into all of your opportunities and not feeling like you have to define yourself based on these like strict kind of box like oh, kind yeah. of definitions that's like well, I think the whole time that you're an athlete you're told what you where, where you need to be going and yeah. what you need to be doing and how you handle things and um for the first time in my career I've sort of been like well I've been faced with something that's quite difficult I don't yeah. know how to navigate it but you know how I'm gonna yeah. navigate it is I'm just gonna leave everything open and I'm just gonna go to like it's actually been so simple my philosophy has just been like, what's going to make me happy? Yeah. Do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, who do I need to talk to? Like, what do I want to do? Okay, next week I want to sing a national anthem at yeah. a game. Yeah. Who do I need to talk to to be able to do that? And, yeah. like, what? Yeah. Why? Like, why? Because I feel like I really want to try and do this. Or, yeah. like, I feel like if I can tap into that and, and have a go, then – why not? Yeah. Uh, and I do feel, you know, so many people have been like, you know, what what are you doing? And and my answer to everyone is I'm not sure, but that's also okay. Like I have no idea where I want to – I don't have a direction that I want to go in. Um, there's obviously things that are like firing me up at the moment and yeah. lighting me up inside that I'm like, okay, like the commentary stuff yeah. at the moment is really – fulfilling um a part of me that I'm like oh I, I really love this yeah but I wouldn't know that if I didn't get the opportunity to go and and do that yeah um and so I'm just finding at the moment I don't want to say no to anything I don't want to um I, I don't want to diss any part of my life or I don't want to neglect any any part of my life that's just over here and I'm just going to leave it over here yeah. and if it stays open it stays open and mm -hmm. if it closes it closes yeah you know what I really like about um this is it sounds like when you talk about your career you're talking about your career as a human you know what I mean like you're not when you talk about your career you're not talking about like oh my netball career you're talking about like you your career and I like that we're not defined by you know what we produce but our career is just who we are and what we do every day and 
it doesn't actually have to be just one thing. It can be many things and it doesn't have to fit into the um, standards of a regular job or a regular uh, season or, you know, a regular person's output, right? So it sounds like you're putting yourself into this area where your career is so broad and it just means you. It doesn't mean sport. No. At the moment, the netball stuff, I, I have no idea what's going on there. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend my energy worrying about that when I can just spend my energy on how can I add to Kelsey Brown yeah. as a person. You know why you're not retiring? Because you can't retire from yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you're just being you. I just You're just being you and you're leaning into whatever's going at you and you're not you can't retire from just existing. You can't retire from yourself. I, I'd like to branch off for a second into some topics surrounding like women in sport. Mm-hmm. And I guess like the things that we kind of deal with and are put up against. So I'll, I'll start with this, like as a netball player, as a female athlete, did you ever feel lesser than a male athlete and why and tell me about a story there and if that hasn't happened to you because I guess you know like there isn't like there is a men's netball league now and but like in terms of like being a female at the top of your game in a sport that's like for the most part only had a professional league for women I would sit there like from an outsider I sit there and I'm like you're that's it that's what I would want I would want people to look at my sport and be like that is the best thing in the in the world not compare me did you ever get compared to men and yeah answer that question however you will I feel like it is different when you know with basketball there's um male and female and so the comparison is quite easy in a way because you're both playing the same sport same with AFLW and and AFL NRLW like they all have a male counterpart netball it was um a sport for women and it was an area where women could go and almost feel safe and not, um, you know, there's still women's sections of gyms and it is quite, I think a lot of it has to do with how we feel um, body-wise and and everything like that. I do think that is some part of it. It's a place where women can go and be surrounded by other women and it was really like empowering um, a lot of women in a space sort of like building each other up. So I feel like that was – but the men coming into netball now has given a whole nother element to it and it it is as exciting. Yeah. Um, And so I feel like I probably haven't had the – severity that other sports have had of being compared to males or you know not being respected for your sport that is something that I've always really really respected about like netball is that it's it is a place that you can go to witness some super powerful females excel in an area that like they they're not compared to men no and no. I, that, that's honestly something I've never, ever experienced. No. Only have I ever seen that in netball. Yeah. Seriously. And you stand you stand alone in the, like, you are strong, powerful, yeah. um, fit, uh, aggressive. It's yeah. like a place where you can 
show your aggression as yeah. a female because I feel like so often, um, you know, stereotypes oh God, are very yeah. much like, can you please be a wallflower? Yeah. And um, maybe just shh. Yeah. Um, but you can go, like, netball to me is a really special place, I think, for m- yeah. men and women now um, that you can really go and express yeah. yourself. Yeah. And that was something that, I think when I was going through my my period of time um, from 16 to yeah. 20 when I was struggling with that, hands down what I would say to people is like my favourite time of the week is to go and play netball because I'm not thinking, I'm like I'm outside of my head, I'm yeah. not thinking. It's a, way, it's a place where I can go and be creative. Yeah. I can go and uh, there is no right or wrong way to play. Yeah. You're just going and doing what you want to do and you're in your body and you're feeling that. Um, and I feel like that has been sport for me. Anything yeah. that I've played, it's always been a way to express myself. So I think for for women to be able to have a place where they can go and like you can go and be aggressive on a netball yeah. court that's pretty cool yeah you're not often um allowed that space in no. other areas no yeah. seriously because i think that like um to be a confident uh aggressive is the wrong term because like our confidence yeah, can maybe sometimes be ta- taken as aggression yeah, but i don't want to i don't want, i don't think aggression needs to have like a negative, negative connotation you know right. yeah aggressive like, is a good thing well As- you get yeah like well assertive maybe yeah you're right i needed to say yeah assertive. maybe maybe like i mean aggression on the court is a great thing yeah <laughs> i mean like in life we'll call it assertiveness but that can be taken as a negative thing when women show it oh, all the time how many times have you been told in your life oh. like you're, you're too just much. too much. <laughs> you're too much. Yeah. Yet literally the words I'm at like, the same time. Oh, sorry, I'm just having an opinion. Yeah. Um and like and and yeah, so I, I do feel like sport, um, I think for females is a really important piece of the puzzle because it gives you a, a space where you don't have to be apologetic for being um driven or yeah. like hardwired or mm-hmm. like focused towards something and I feel like in other areas of our life sometimes it can be questioned yeah I totally agree I think um I a very interesting question and this might not apply to you so when have you ever been told by a teammate or someone within your space that you are too much like, or has that never come from the people within your space? Like yeah. when I say within your space, I mean within your profession because I've had people within my profession tell me you're too much, you oh. need to tone it down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. of course you get that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's when you have to have conviction in yourself and be like, well, I, this is how I want to go about it. I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I'm not going to be everyone's favourite person. But what needs to feel good is how I'm presenting myself and how I'm showing up in the world and um, it, that's important to me. Yeah. So uh, I might be too much for someone but also, uh, well. <laughs> What's too much of a good thing? Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm just yeah. I'm just also like as long as I'm not, you know, grinding people's gears or like making yeah. their day miserable, um, I, I feel like I have to show up authentically and yeah. if, I, if I'm not doing that then like I'm, I'm not going to be the best version. And I do think – Sometimes that comes from uh, just wanting to, like, wanting everyone to conform. But what I've learned about teams is you need different personalities. You need different types of people. You can't have, yeah, you you can't have ten 
vibrant, loud, flamboyant people. Yeah. That doesn't work. You can't have 10 quiet people who don't want to contribute or like don't feel comfortable or um, you need so many different varieties Moving of parts. people. Yeah, you do. And that's the, the how the best teams that I've been involved in work. And sometimes in one team, you'll you'll play one role. Yeah. Sometimes in another team, you'll play a different role. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I have been told that before, that you're too much and you're too this and you're too that. But I also feel like I just always came back to, I think my place in this team is important, whatever I bring. Um, and, and your I'm place here for in a this reason. world. Yeah, I'm you know? here for a reason. Um, and I think, you know, I can I can add what I add and I'm never going to. I think also the other thing that you learn from that is not to be judgmental of other people. Yeah. Like just because I want to contribute in every single team meeting and I, I you know, I, I want to um, talk about this and this and this, just because somebody else doesn't want to do that doesn't mean yeah. that they're wrong. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think it's sport has definitely learnt me, learnt, taught me, sorry, how to be um, understanding of so many different personalities yeah. and how they work. And some of my best friends are the complete opposite to me. Yeah. The complete opposite. And I feel like that's because I'm like, oh, I respect that so yeah. much. I want to add a little bit of you to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I've definitely there, been told that. If there was a young girl or boy that said to you, hey, look, someone someone says to me like, oh, hey, can you relax? You're just being too much. What would you tell them to say? I would say I would probably – like if it was me, I would probably ask like, oh, sorry – I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say sorry. I would just say, look, I want to know what it is that you think is too much or like yeah. what I would, I would implore them to ask the question around like what what's too much of like, what, it, what is it to you? Yeah. And in, in a really like non-inflammatory way, yeah. I just like, I just really want to understand it so I can figure out if that's something I can adjust or if there's just something that like you and I maybe need to work through. And yeah. I would just, I would always just say, one, don't go away from like who you authentically are. But two, ask questions. Like yeah. I, I always want to understand, you know, why someone maybe doesn't like me or why yeah. someone and doesn't mean I want to change it. You I just, just want to know. I yeah. just want to sort of understand, oh, okay, like maybe for some people that's a little bit jarring. Like I didn't even view that as something that would be taken as too much. But it's just important for me to now understand that. Maybe that sometimes can be. Yeah. Um, so for, uh, yeah, for kids I would just, yeah, I would have the conversation. Like I, I just think having conversations a lot of the time fixes a lot of problems. Yeah. Like the problems often fester when everyone's just talking around it or, you know, when um, your teammate's talking to another teammate about you being too much instead yeah. of just saying to you, know, you. oh, yeah hey, like I don't really like when you do this or this makes me feel a particular way yeah. when you do this. Like I feel like talking a lot of the time fixes can fix a lot all of, of it. Yeah. No, I like that. <laughs> and I guess like as you're kind of, I mean, you actually you've been in the eye of the media. So when I say you're moving into the media space, I mean like the commentary stuff, but also you've been in the eye of the media. How have you handled comparison? And like sometimes I see pictures of myself and see like videos of myself and I'm like, like, why oh. did I make the face? Why did I do that? Oh, I look like this in this way. How have you handled that throughout your life? Because, you know, you've always had media coverage in your sport, but also now you're on TV doing other things. How do you handle like the positive self-talk in that area? And does that affect you in any way? I got given a piece of advice when I first came into a team and it was – 
just don't ride the highs or the lows too much. Like the best place to be is to sit in the middle because, um, and I sort of fleshed this out a little bit in my brain. I said to them, you know, cause someone will love me for how I tie my shoelaces and someone will hate me for the same way I tie my shoelaces. So you got to sort of sit in the middle. You can't buy into everyone being like, oh my gosh, I love Kelsey Brown because for everyone who loves me, there's going to be a person that doesn't um, like how I go about things. But that's also not for, for me to manufacture or worry about or um I guess get caught up in so I guess the biggest thing for me and I feel like I've taken that throughout my entire life is to just sit a little bit in the middle and just to sit where it fits comfortably for you and not listen too much to the highs and lows in the last three years of my career I um this is gonna sound really bad but I muted every single netball thing yeah like I I didn't go on x I didn't go on twitter I didn't I no I saw nothing I pretended like I was playing under 14 um netball at a local park and that no one you know had anything to say about my netball and it changed my life I love that and I feel like I'm leaning towards doing that myself this year and that's not that's not like respecting what people have to say and I know that people want to like I know that there's a lot of times that people want to um tell you how great you are yeah but riding that wave was hard because the crash was so much bigger so I just didn't want to hear any commentary around it I just wanted to and it also made me come back to how do I feel about how I played not Oh, I thought I had a really good game, but everyone on Twitter is saying I was terrible. Yeah, that it's confusing. Yeah, you get to come back to like, okay, how do I view that? What did I think? Maybe I didn't. I don't know. In basketball, maybe I didn't score twenty points. Maybe I had two, but like I did so many things off the ball that yeah. you know, and that was the impact that impacted the game. Or I was a great teammate on the bench. Yeah. People don't see that. People no. don't talk about that. No. So, um, yeah, I think removing myself from social media um, and the commentary around my sport changed my life. I, like, quickly will share this with you. I I had an experience um, right as I moved to Perth. I was so incredibly excited for this new chapter. Um, and I am a chronic read everything that oh, anyone no. ever writes about me <laughs> oh I, it's, it's not great it's not great and like I will go through times where I'm like no no I'm not gonna read it. I'm not gonna read it it's funny I never usually read it when I play well in my terms yeah right like in my head I'm like I played well like blah blah but I think that I was seeking in the one in every hundred hate comments for someone to be like oh you're great and I was like oh great like the validation yeah and I realized that I was doing that because so I moved to Perth I'd been there for like two days and um there was a media outlet that wrote like a preview of this WNBL season and they did like one player from each team and the the like the major point of the piece about me was uh good stats bad team player one hit wonder um and pretty much said that my last year in the league was really bad and I was like it I didn't think I was bad I just obviously wasn't as great as I was the year before but I was like oh I didn't actually think I was that bad and I read that article and I was sitting on the couch in the Airbnb that I was in in Perth at the time and it just like crushed you oh soul destroying (laughs) I was like oh my god like this Perth isn't going to get that player that they think they're going to get like 
I'm I'm not going to be what they want me to be. I'm going to be a disappointment. I'm going to disappoint them. And then while I was like just starting to wrap my head around what they had just wrote about me, the WMBL reposted the article and put it up on their social media and it destroyed me. I was like, oh, my God. Like, And now in this league that I love so much, like all these people are reading all these awful things about me and I actually ended up calling – um, the head of the league being like, you know what? I'm really, I can't, I can't handle the things that have been written about me right now. And they, to their credit, they were great. They took it down. Um, the original news outlet kept it obviously, but like the, I felt supported by my league in that moment. Cause they were like, look, we didn't realize that that was going to hurt you. We'll take it down straight away, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, mm. I really appreciate it. But for the next like five days, I was just starting my preseason with a new team. And all I could think about was like, oh my God, did they read it? Are they going to think that I'm a good stats, bad team player? Like, are they going to, are they going to think that I'm this awful person to be around? And so I was like, so hyper, like I wasn't shooting the ball as much. I was just passing it to everyone all the time. I wasn't being like the way that I Not being you. wasn't being me. No. So the point of me saying that is, for one, I I think that um, in previous versions of myself wouldn't have reached out to people. No. And I, so I made the first step. I Obviously, I reached out to my psych and was like, I need to talk about this. I also, reaching out to the league was a big step for me because I was like, I think previous versions of me would have been like. That's scary oh, to do. Oh, my God, so scary. Yeah. But previous versions of me would have been like, the league doesn't care. No one cares. Blah, blah. But like. To feel supported by my league in that moment was huge and they acted in a way that I felt super respected. But I think from that my biggest takeaway was like, well, I can – I need to mute media. Like oh. – and because I, I thrive in a lot of media spaces. I put a lot of my life out there. Yeah. But I need to mute and not read things after games. I need to change my privacy settings so I can't get messages from randoms telling me how bad I played. Like – I need to mute that. And I think that like hearing you say that, I was like, yeah, that's just another confirmation that that is absolutely something that I need to do because I was, it's, it was just, it destroys me yeah. and it takes me like two weeks to start feeling normal again. And then someone else would write something and then it's like, Duh. Well, I think what's forgotten in that is that um, you show up for a game and like, yes, you're, you go out there and you're, you're going to try your best. You're yeah. going to like, no one is ever going out there to play poorly. Like yeah. no one is ever going out there yeah. to let a team down or let their fans down or anything like that. Um, but also you have no idea what you've been through during oh the God, week. Yeah. And so I'm showing up. I used to say this all the time. I'm like, I show up as like a video player, like a, a player in like a video game for like some people to get enjoyment out of. Yeah. I just always feel like. If I go out there and I've prepared how I, you know, want to prepare and I'm really happy with the week that I've had and I go out there and I get my ass handed to me, yeah, like that's okay. I still showed up. I still put my hat in the ring. Like I still yeah. showed up, put my shoes on, like gave it a crack. Yeah. And it's not always going to go well. Like you're going to have bad, you're going to have bad games. Yeah. And I feel like the whole social media thing, really turned down my ego yeah so I couldn't read the good stuff where people was like oh, she, oh she's amazing <laughs> and yeah. like feed my ego and yeah. be like yeah I'm, I'm, I am so good I also couldn't get an ego hit when people were like yeah she sucks uh -huh. um and I feel like it allowed me to have a lot more control of my ego 
in my sport. And I feel like if you can harness your ego and how you sort of feel within it, because I think ego is an important thing. It yeah. makes us who we are. It makes yeah. us strive and um, to be better and um, to uh, – like it's it's really big in competitive stuff. Yeah. Like um, I I think ego is important, but I think harnessing your ego is a really important skill to have. And I feel like turning off my social media and not buying into any of that really adjusted my ego for me. Yeah, no, I really love that because like it's it's interesting because I'm at the moment I'm I'm really working on my brand, like my me, yep. you know. And I think that I. I'm trying to get to this place and I am encouraging other people to get this place. Building your brand doesn't mean you have to read everything that's said on social media. Like you can put stuff out there without uh, sacrificing the parts of yourself that um, giving too much of yourself to the people that can write things about you, Mm -hmm. I guess, like not giving people the power over you in that way. And I think that it can sometimes be confused when like – I'm like, say I'm putting, I'm put, I put a lot of myself out there on social media. And then if I'm going through something that a lot of comments are like, Oh, maybe you're putting too much of yourself out there. I was like, just cause I'm being honest and open doesn't give people the right to like write awful crap. It just, it just doesn't. No. I also don't understand. Like I would never write. No. And I, and that's the other thing that I always try and, um, like it's really not a reflection on me. Yeah. Um, because at the end, there's like five people in my life that I like care about their yeah. opinion. Like my mom, my dad, my sister, and my well, the six, three best, yeah. seven, my dog, three yeah. best friends. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, like no, number just, one. Yeah, dog. my yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah. My parents and my three best friends. And if they're proud of me, and if they're happy with how I'm walking through life, mm-hmm. then like. <laughs> the rest I really I really don't give a fuck yeah um so yeah I think yeah I I just think social media can be it's such a positive thing at times and mm-hmm. like I've learned so much about um things on social media like yeah. TikTok is the best place oh, for me I literally I Love honestly it. I'm like honest every day I'm like wow I've learned new stuff yeah um and so I think social media can be really powerful yeah. and I put a, a video out a few weeks ago and the response um we got from that um you know, just people messaging being like, thank you so much for talking about yeah. this because it's helped me do X, Y, Z. So I think social media is such a, a powerful thing. Yeah. But I also think you really need to be aware of, um, you know, how much you take on board from what is being said. And if they don't know you and if they don't know your phone number or if they don't have access to be able to say, let's go and grab a coffee, then like. What was what it that saying? Tom Holland said? Do you remember that quote? No. He said he was like. Um, for those who don't know who Tom Holland is, he's Zendaya's boyfriend, obviously. Oh, okay, yeah, Spider-Man, right. I was but like, Zendaya's okay, boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he said, if you have a problem with me, yes. text me. And if you don't, don't have, have my, my number. number, you don't know me well no. enough to have a problem with me. I'm just looking around the room. That's awesome. Mm. I love that. Like, I agree. That is like, it's also like so true. If you don't know me well enough to have my phone number, then and- like – and don't get me wrong, like also like cultivating that group around you that I know those seven people, obviously my dog can't talk, but the six people will also tell me if I'm off track mm-hmm. and if they think I'm being a little bit rogue and if they yeah. think they're like, mm, that's not kosher, we don't, yeah. like, don't do that. Yeah. Um. So I also do have, it's not like I just have people in my life who are like, oh, you're doing great all the time and I'm really proud of you. They're also like... I didn't like how you did that. Mm-hmm. And so be like, don't, don't do that again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's not always just like people telling me I'm great all the time. Yeah. 
it's just the right people who I respect, who know me, who know what I'm when I'm going through things, and will also give me a little bit of grace if say I rock up and I don't touch the ball in a netball game they're like oh well she had a massive week and like I know what she's gone through yeah no I love that (laughs) I really do I think that um like one of the last questions I'm going to ask you before we go into the rapid fire by Reebok uh I think if you had the chance to sit down with like baby Kels Mm. like what would you say to her what do you think she would say to you? Uh, I think she would be like, wow, doll, we finally figured it out. Yeah. Because uh, I think it had, like, I'm 31 and it's, I'm still learning. I still feel like every single day I'm like, oh, I would do that differently or mm-hmm. I've learned that today or, okay, let's recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think she would be like, you know, it took a bit. I took my whole 20s for me to understand myself yeah. at all. Um, and I'm still just scratching the surface. And there's probably been, I would say there's been like three turning or two turning points in my life. One, the most recent with the, um, you know, Collingwood folding, it kind of was like a rock bottom of, oh my gosh, where do I go from here? But it's been, it's been the catalyst that has sprung me into like some of the most amazing couple of weeks that I've just had. Yeah. Um, And my other one was my ACL when I did my ACL because my identity was so tied up in netball and being a netballer that when you can't do it and my way of my way of like expressing myself or showing up in the world was hopping on court and um and playing well. Uh, so that was a there was there's been two really big moments for me. Um but they're the things that I'm the most grateful for in my life. They're the like Hitting rock bottom for me is almost exciting because I'm like, whoa, where are we going to yeah, go from here? Yeah, it kind of happens now. You don't hit rock bottom, you bounce off it. Yeah, you literally yeah. just like springboard. Yeah. Um, so that's how I view things in my life. And yeah. that's what I would say to baby Kels is like when you think it's all dead and gone and all hope is lost, the coolest things often come from those moments. Um, and it's just got to be how you look at it. And, like, I think your outlook on life is massive. I just got new tattoos, actually, on the front of my ankles. And the saying is, as within, so without. And for me, that means, like, if I'm negative on the inside, if I'm looking at a situation negatively, it's going to turn out negatively. Yeah. Like, you're going to get more of what you're looking for. And so I just always try and flip situations. Like, it's it's terrible, but um, I'm still going to look at this like in a really positive well, your perception manner. is your reality at yeah, the end of the day exactly yeah. and that's not like toxic positivity that's no. not like not thinking that some things are um really difficult and really hard yeah. I just think if I can go into it being like okay what's a lesson I can learn from this or what's a way that I can catapult out of this or this might be a pivot shift that I really need great I love that. <laughs> I actually love that. I like that saying. Say it again. As within, so without. As within, so without. Yeah. It's kind of like I saw this really cool piece of art the other day that had like, um, I'm really into art. That's like oh, kind of my that. thing. But like it was like you could see the side of the face and like the eyes and then what it was looking at. And on one side of the brain it had like all these like positive words and colours and things swirling and that outlook through that eye was just like this colourful, bright world. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And on the other side it was like um, or a loop of negative thoughts kind of and then the outlook through that eye was just like so bleak but it was the same image mm. through different perceptions yeah. and that's exactly what those words mean. 100%. I live my life by that saying. That's why I got it tattooed on yeah. me because I'm, I just always think 
there's different ways you can look at things and and, and I've been caught in the cycle so many times of getting to a point where I've um, something hasn't gone my way and I've been like, oh, of course this would happen to me, like a victim mentality and yeah. like, oh, yeah, like nothing ever works out. I've been there. Yeah. And so I've seen how that can pan out. Yeah. Whereas now I'm like, hang on, I don't want to go there. I want to be like, well, nothing's working. Like at a point in time I was unemployed, yeah. like my club folded. And one of the people I love the most in my life was going through a really difficult time. And I still was like, all right, what does this mean? Like, where where are we going for? Like, how can I show up for them? And how can I, what does this mean for my life? Yeah. So it was cool. It's been the, the best moment, to yeah. be honest. And it has catapulted you into a different space. I hope for the people listening, like, if you are experiencing something and you are going through a particularly tough time, you realise that, you do sometimes when you hit rock bottom bottom it it is the platform to springboard you up into new better and amazing things like rock bottom is hard and it is awful and it is dark and it is lonely but you don't stay there and sometimes and i think rock bottom like what is rock bottom exactly. that could, it could just be that could just be a new beginning exactly exactly what is rock bottom exactly Let's and not call i call it that <laughs> i think that um i i can't relate to you any more intensely than what you just spoke about. Like I was experiencing like a massive change in my basketball career and while I was going through that in a different country, I was about to get on a plane to go back to the WNBA. I found out that my dad had cancer. So I like oh. – and from there like I was like, you know, I came home for a multitude of reasons um, and I was feeling like my world was about ready to collapse and then – all these amazing opportunities arose that I wouldn't have gotten to do if I didn't end up leaving the WNBA. 100%. Which is in- incredibly crazy. And, like, look, my, you know, my dad is still going through it and there's other people in my life that are still, you know, going through some personal things. And um, But I it, – it's so – I cannot stress it enough to the people listening. Like, there is – always light there is always light coming it doesn't stay it doesn't stay like that even though when you're in it it's like sometimes it feels like everything sucks and it's not going to get better that's not it it won't stay like that it just won't like listen to kb (laughs) and listen to annalee we're telling you it's gonna get better yeah and it doesn't mean like it's not um gonna be hard work like i look at this new chapter of my life and like with the commentary stuff i feel like i'm I'm putting in hours and yeah. like sometimes it's feeling really good and, and like I'm diving headfirst into um, all of these new things and it's it's been the hardest I've worked yeah. for ages and like I, I worked really hard at Netball. Yeah. That was like the one thing I was good at was like my work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't the most talented at everything else but my work ethic was high um, and I feel like I've worked so hard and like I'm not saying that the last few weeks haven't been so much hard work. Yeah. But I am starting to see some sort of rewards. I'm I'm even just like meeting new people, like being around new people and seeing different perspectives. Yeah. And I just feel like I've been a sponge. So yeah. but without um entering into new spaces, you don't get to be a sponge. Yeah. You just get to stand still sometimes. Yeah. I like that. Mm. I, that's I, that was a, a very wholesome <laughs> bit right there. I really like that. Bit of woosa. Um, okay, so we're going to head into the rapid, r- 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 rapid fire by Reba. 
<laughs> I wish I could actually like, I mean, you could sing, you could probably sing. Like <laughs> um, also, when this episode goes live, we need to surely overlay some sort of footage of you singing the national anthem somewhere, like talk about multi-talented. Anyway, what uh, these are, uh, these questions kind of range from a lot, but um, what strategies do you use mentally when you receive negative feedback from a coach? Strategies do I use? Wait, sorry, can you ask me that again? What strategies do you use when, oh, it says mentally, but what strategies do you use when you receive negative feedback from a coach? Uh, I think understanding that it's really hard for someone to deliver negative feedback. So I think I always put myself in their shoes and say, that's going to be a hard thing for them to tell me anyway. And if they didn't really mean it and they didn't really want to get that across to me, then they wouldn't say it. So I always try and flip it again. My thought processes (laughs) are always flipping it into like, they're trying to make me better. Um, And they wouldn't invest that time into me if they didn't care. So that's what I try and do. Uh, What's your favorite post netball meal? Or like a burger. I'm like love. a dirty, like a dirty, cheesy burger. Yes, so. I love that. <laughs> and then what, what's your favorite coffee shop at the moment? Um, so in Richmond, it's Heart Coffee on Burnley Street. Shout out. Um, but I've also been going to um, Sonali a little bit in nice. South Melbourne. Oh, I love that place. Mm, it's great. <laughs> um, how excited were you when the pies won the flag? Oh, to be fair, I was obviously I had like bittersweet feelings around yeah. um, the club, but I st- straight up have loved that club for five years, yeah. and you get to know the players, and so I am really happy for them. It's big. In a few words, um, this, this is going to be hard for me. This might words. actually, you know, this is I'm not I'm going to take out the few words. Part. Um, this girl is falling out of love with netball after a major injury. How did you get back up after yours? Best feedback, advice, etc. Yeah. So my best f- feedback after I hurt myself was how many games have you, and this is my psych. I love her. She goes, how many games have you played where you haven't hurt yourself? And I was like, thousands and she's like and you've played one game where you've majorly hurt yourself and I was like yeah and she was like look at those odds Mm -hmm. um and how much have you um like grown and learned like I just think looking at a rehab situation as like how can I make myself a thousand times better? Doing my knee made my body so much better because it made me address things in my body that I wouldn't have addressed if everything was just going to plan. So I just always think um like getting back into into like feeling good in your body, like actually not even looking at your rehab as like, oh, I want to get back to playing netball. Yes, yeah. that can be an end goal. But like I I was like, I just want to run again because yeah. running makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, and I think breaking your rehab um, down into like, I want to get back to running because running makes me feel good. Yeah. That's that goal. Then once you do that, okay, I want to now change direction because maybe one day I want to come back and play netball. Yeah. Great. And like really breaking it down and ticking off goals. Yeah helped me it almost like flew by because because then, then when I started playing netball again I was like oh I'm back here yeah yeah but I just ticked off so many little things yeah. um and I don't think like looking at it as this whole chunk of like I need to get back to play also when I got back from my knee I was terrible yeah like I could not play netball anymore yeah um and so just really breaking down the standards you have for yourself or like it's not going to feel amazing the first time you come back yeah. but that's okay yeah I like that uh what's your pump up song do you have one um, at the moment? I don't have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, at the moment, it's that. Oh, Friday. Uh, 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 
you know that no song? <laughs> <laughs> keep going more I you know that song so um um uh, give me more come on you got the mic in front of you and everything i'm gonna play it for yeah you. play it for me because I, I, I all i heard was i've got it on right now Do you actually okay um hang on oh okay yeah yeah this is a bop it is a bop do you guys know this one it's not repeat oh it's a bop not. ready belly on christian on family this is a great song that's a good that's absolutely yeah that's great you know what that song like driving on any sort of freeway with oh my gosh down that was me to carry him down today like and your hair's just you know washing and you're just like you know like i don't even know what the words are saying i'm probably just like "Ah." like, yeah that's what that's why you didn't understand it when i sang it the first time hundred percent hundred percent um and then the last one of these rapid five i revoke questions who is your biggest inspiration never been very rapid sorry yeah i know that's okay they never are um my biggest inspiration i think would be my family like it can't be one person but i think would be my family like my sister for the inspiration that she gave me early days Mm -hmm. of netball my mom is the strongest person I know. And my dad has ruined every standard for, you know, a partner that I will have yeah. because he is just the most thoughtful, caring person. Yeah. Like I honestly say to my sister, like, we're screwed yeah. because my dad just sets a standard. So he's the kind of person that like will fill up my car with petrol because yeah. like I need to go down the yeah. highway. Like he's just the best. So my family, biggest uh, inspiration. I love that. Okay, last uh, question. How do you think people see you versus who you actually are? Uh, Yeah, I think there's a big contrast. I think people have a perception of me and whether, you know, it was my own doing early on when I was still trying to figure out who I was. I think people sort of saw me as this really like confident, but and like I am now, um, but I think they think I don't have sort of like emotions or... um, that I can get hurt. Yeah. And I think if you do know me really well, that I'm like a very sensitive person. Yeah, and for sure. um I yeah, I, I probably have a lot of like I have a lot of walls up, I think. Yeah, I'm still figuring a lot of things out and um that's okay. Yeah. But I do think the contrast would be hi i I'm, I'm exactly the same. Okay. So <laughs> I think I think for the most part, the people that are sometimes the loudest and the most bubbly in the room are the ones that are dealing with the most amount of stuff because we don't want anybody else to feel what we're feeling. So we like project all this positive energy so people can't see the stuff that we're hiding. I also just am like, I I think my biggest downfall is like, I don't want to be a burden to anyone at any time. So I'm genuinely like, how can I, I will come home from like social events sometimes and be like, why am I so tired? Yeah. Oh, that's because like, you didn't want to be like a burden, like you didn't want to I don't know. I just like my biggest fear in life is being a burden to yeah. people, but it's also like my worst trait. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause like you do come home from social events and you're like, whoa, I am exhausted. And it's not that you're not who you are. No. It's just, I'm like, it just I, takes a lot. Yeah. It just yeah. takes a lot out of you. Um, but I also think, uh, what makes that contrast really special is that like, um, the people who do know me know me to the nth degree. Like yeah. those six people in my yeah. life know I will call and be like, this is bleh. 
This yeah. is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and it's really special that they, like, they understand Kelsey to a T. They know what makes me tick. They know yeah. what makes me upset. They, yeah. It's um. I feel like it's a really special thing to have that bond with people, and I'm I'm lucky. I've got a few. Yeah, that's. I mean, that is awesome. I like the the difference to where the way people answer that last question. It always varies. It's like there's there seems to be this film between you know how we experience the world and how we see ourselves to how the masses see us and stuff like that but I'm hoping that that kind of it the gap closes the more we put ourselves out there the gap closes and it closes and it closes and we become more human I guess I also just feel like that is you know how there's that thing on TikTok at the moment that's like your Roman Empire yes that's my Roman that's Empire. your Roman Empire. my Roman Empire yeah. is honestly like how do people view things yeah because like I know how I see things but like I it's mind-blowing to me that like you and I are looking at the same yeah. thing but you can see something completely different to exactly. me that's my Roman Empire I think about it all the time I love that and I'm honestly like and so that question is hard because I'm like well how I view myself and how I see myself I will never have any idea what people think yeah. of me so maybe the contrast is big let's just leave it there yeah <laughs> I love it I love it okay so we could honestly sit here and talk for the next, like five hours um but like that was really special to me, not only to talk to like you as an athlete, but as a human, I loved your outlook on like your career, your person, the things that you've been through, but also like all the stuff you continue to do. And I really, I said it before, I think you're starting to pave a way for a new type of like quote unquote career transition. The whole like um, traditional forms of roots of like how you have to do things in a certain line. Like I love the way that you kind of spoke about all of that. And I'm really excited for not just like aspiring athletes and women to listen, listen to this, but current, um, you don't have to do anything a certain type of way. And I'm like also kind of excited to see where you go next. Like just, <laughs> I mean, you're leaning into whatever. And I think that's so cool. And I think that like, I, I hope that people can listen to this and not just take out of, you know, all of the, the things that you've experienced, but also listen to the way that you're approaching stuff and maybe apply that to their everyday life. Cause there's so much like, I mean, for me, I listened to so much of that and I was like, I'm going to need to re-listen and write some of this down because like when you talked about the two different parts of your career, I was like, I didn't even have that question written down. I was like, I need to know <laughs> how you did this. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love that. This is my why. I say this all the time. Like this, this is my why. This is what gives me the drive to do stuff. And I'm super appreciative um, and I'm sure everyone at the under the surface kind of fam is too and as we continue to grow this space like I want to continue to make this space like super comfortable for not just people to ask questions but to interact with us and all that stuff and um yeah no we're super grateful no I feel like you're doing like I think coming in here today I met you for the first time today I feel like I've sat here with a friend and had like and we didn't get to have a coffee but (laughs) like you know I've sat here and I think the biggest thing is like just never like my big biggest thing out of this would be just never let anyone put you in a box because I don't even know what box I fit in so how can I let other people put me in one exactly slay to that (laughs) okay so um yeah that was awesome I really appreciate it this was under the surface pumped by Reebok and I'm your host Annalie Maley and that was Kelsey Brown (laughs) that was under the surface If this episode brought up any concerns for you, we recommend you call Lifeline on 13 11 14.